Tom Panos, John Begar, Troy Malcolm, and thank you, realestate.com.au, our sponsors of Million Dollar Agent Podcast. How are my two co-hosts? Very, very good. Very, very good. Very good. A little bit in shock, I've got to say, after the US election oh this week. Oh, my God. How could 60 million Americans do that to us? <laughs> well, yeah. well, the Donalds. Well, let's, oh, the Donalds. The Donalds. Why don't we allocate this, this podcast because... He's obviously a great salesperson, and he's actually sold, um, how many people did you say, John? 60 million. Well, the, the statistics were they think about 120 million Americans voted, yep. which is less than half the population. Um, and we know that more than half, or, or at least around half, I know there was a slight division on how it was done, but let's say half of them voted for Donald Trump. And interestingly, you know, sort of six months ago, he was treated as a joke, mm-hmm. even... Recently, up until now, people were saying, oh, well, he's been entertaining, but of course he's not going to get in. Well, history will tell us now that he got in. So it's interesting to see and, you know, fascinating to know your views, Tommy, on how you think he got in. Well, the first thing I want to talk about is three weeks ago, John, or two weeks ago, might have been, we did a podcast and you had indicated you'd gone to um, an appraisal with a couple of McGrath people that you thought was going to be a dead sense certainty that you were going to get this listing. And you said to me that subsequently you, there was a phone call that went to the agent that sort of indicated, hey, don't take it for granted because there's another group of people. And you guys weren't passionate enough. Correct. And I have to say, when I heard that you know, one of the TV commentators say it wasn't a case of Donald Trump winning the election, it was a case of Hillary Clinton losing the election, I thought of thought to myself that saying, nothing breeds failure like success. Having an attitude that you're going to win it 100% and being um, too confident um, and believing what everyone says that's going to happen um, is in being proof in this election that that might not be the case. I mean, even the media, and I work for a media organisation, got it all wrong. Well, the polls, the experts, any, anyone that, that was supposedly expert in this field, they didn't say Trump didn't have a chance, but they said he wouldn't win, but it would be close. I don't think there was any real professional market that had any confidence he would win. And yet not only did he win, as, as history now tells us, Troy, he won in a, well, not quite a landslide, but it was a significant margin. Yeah. Not by, you know, a tiny few votes. He, he won 60 or 70 seats now yeah. that he ended up ahead of, and they thought he'd lose by 30 or 40. So the turnaround was significant. So, I mean, putting aside, okay, so I guess what you're saying there, Tom, is Maybe there was some level of complacency in Hillary's camp. I think that's possible, although I think she worked very hard. Anyone that's going for you know, the world's most powerful position works hard, and I think she did work hard. Let's focus on, though, despite... Because I think the three of us are probably like many Australians that were horrified at the prospect of Trump because what we kind of see he represents, and not much of it in many ways is, is terribly attractive. So what did the American public see in Trump? Because... Maybe we can learn. I think even from disasters, and I I hope this is not going to be a disaster, but even from things that don't go well, according to what you would expect or hope, we can always learn. What do you think was Trump's secret to attracting the population? Okay. Well, one of the things I'll say, and it was your brother, the marketing uh, genius. Mm -hmm. Um, Matt. Matt. He, uh, three years ago, Johnny, came to do some work with me at News Corp. Mm -hmm. And he said something to me that I've never forgotten about marketing. He said, Tom, whatever message you send out, make sure that it's hooked in truth. 
even if it's a little bit of truth, because what people will be able to do is relate to it, and then your bigger message, they'll grasp that. Mm. But if you actually deliver a message that they can't relate to any truth, mm. so anchor a bit of truth. And I think that what Donald Trump did is he spoke to a group of people that agreed with what he had to say, say, even though it might have been extreme, there were elements of what he said that they said, he feels our pain. And they weren't the sort of people that would go to the pollsters and say, we agree with it. They were what someone else called lean-in voters. And I said to him, what do you mean by that is, they would lean quietly to another person and say, I like what he says, but they never made a big deal about it, but they did on the day of the election. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, look, I, you know, I, I sort of initially struggled with this question myself when someone else asked me the other day, why do you think Trump got in? And Because I can see not too many endearing qualities. But, you know, you have to recognise the guy has created a success in this electoral election campaign. The things that I got out of it, Tom, I think, number one is, prior to the campaign, which, you know, lesson for agents, lesson for business people, he built a brand. He has been the consummate professional at building the Trump brand. Mm. Now, in the American population, and you know, this is courtesy of Trump Tower, Trump Products, um, Celebrity Apprentice type things on yep. The Apprentice Show, he built an incredible profile. So people perceived him, rightly or wrongly, to be very successful and a guy to be followed. So then when he steps into the, into the uh, um, presidential campaign, and you've got a $20 trillion debt, a lot of people are saying, well, who are you going to call to get ourselves out of the hole? Well, let's call Superman businessman, you know, yeah. Donald Trump. What a great success. He'll do it. So I think, you know, whether you like him or not, there's no doubt he did a very good job designing and creating a brand around himself was number one. Two is I think where he was different from a lot of the politicians, as much as I disagreed with 99% of what came out of his mouth, you can't argue he was pretty authentic. What he said, and, and you know, he would talk for most of, certainly the early stage, and for most of his campaign, he'd talk without auto cues. So all the other speech writers are standing up and, and it's word perfect, and, and all the other you know, campaigners, they, you know, they were speaking off, off this hymn sheet of, of auto cue. Trump was standing there and just talking to people. And I think what happened there, Troy, is he, people kind of related to him as having a conversation rather than shouting at me, rather than giving me some perfectly manicured story, he was actually telling me what it was. And the third thing, I think he was clear at what he stood for. As much as it's horrific to talk about building a wall and stopping Mexicans to come in to America, because mm -hmm. most of us would label that, to a large degree, a racist, but it was clear what he wanted to do, and people got that. Yep. So I think you know what I would say is he, he appeared to be very authentic, and he connected with the people because he talked with them. He didn't shout at them. I think, too, is he had built a brand prior to the campaign that many people rightly or wrongly perceived as a real success brand, and Trump stood for success. Um, and I think, you know, the, the third thing was, you know, it was pretty clear to understand what he stood for. Yeah. Uh, and he was consistent in that messaging. So from an agent's perspective, we can learn even from someone. And look, I'm sure there are some listeners that thought it was a good result, you know, and I'm not... Well, he was a rude. purple cow, using Seth Godin's metaphor. He was a purple cow when he talks about um, uh, risky is the new safe. This guy's as risky as anything. Correct. He played to his strengths, right, and took the opportunity that did present itself by connecting with, inverted commas, middle America. 
Correct. And, and so I've, that was the catalyst for change. I think the last thing, Troy, that I'd add there as well is belief. Yeah. I think from the get-go, he believed he was going to be president. Correct. I, I think he was the only American that kind of in the early days believed he would be, or one of a few. And obviously the number grew until the point where it tipped over, got to tipping point, as Seth Godin also talks about. Um, no, that's uh, Gladwell. Malcolm Gladwell? Ma- correct. I think Malcolm Gladwell talks about tipping point. Um, but you look at it, every time he stood up, he believed it. And I even remembered like a few weeks out to go when the polls and that horrible you know, dialogue that he'd had with Billy Bush on the bus, you know, where he basically you know, said disgraceful things the about women. The locker room conversation. The locker room yeah. conversation as he tried to put it afterwards. Yeah. Um, and when the polls like really tanked against him, because I think that following week... He was really, everyone was saying, look, it's now Hillary's seven, eight point, percentage points up, game's over. And yet I saw him being interviewed by people and they said, you know, well, Mr. Trump, are you going to concede now or are you just going to try and hang in there or what are you going to do? And he, and he looked at the camera and he said, I'm going to win. Yeah. And even after that disastrous and horrible event, he believed he was going to win. So I think there's a big thing for us out there. You have to believe in yourself. And for all his flaws, he believes in himself. Yeah which would probably be in the top one, two or three qualities of multi-million dollar real estate agents, they back themselves. Self-belief. The other thing I got from the whole campaign, following on, fast following from Brexit, is doing something different. So positioning yourself in a market that you can connect and be real. Creates Yeah, Mm. so if you're in a market as a real estate agent and everything is the norm, Say your atypical politician, your atypical real estate agent is presenting five photos, a floor plan, copywriting, three weeks in the local publication. Yeah. What are you doing to differentiate yourself? And what are you doing to make yourself memorable? Yeah. Yeah, what's your point of difference? Yeah. Most agents are very beige. They're doing exactly the same as everyone else. And I think when you see people step outside uh, the nine dots, Mm -hmm. that's when you start seeing something different happening. Well, on... Uh, my live stream Facebook that I do on a Sunday night, John, which you mentioned you saw the Donald Trump comment that I'd made. We actually, I didn't actually talk about the, the sales side of that. I had a lot of agents in the last week say, what impact is it going to have on the real estate market? And what I uh, actually did is, it was a funny, I was in a car in New Zealand as it was announced, and the cab driver said to me, what do you think about Donald Trump getting in He's going to build a wall to stop Mexicans walking in. And I said to him flippantly, well, I'm not Mexican and I'm not trying to get into the USA. So I'd say it's pretty much business as usual for me. And he looked at me and he said, for me too. And I think that if you actually think about what does the election in America mean to our listeners who are Australian and New Zealand predominantly, we do have a small number that are in the USA. But overall, I think that our great agents and agents that continue to be good will continue to wake up at a specific time, continue to provide incredible service to vendors, do things, separate themselves versus the competition. They will continue doing exactly that what they would be doing if Hillary won the election. And I think that sometimes people spend too much time and energy focused on things that they've got no control of. Yeah. Look, I agree, Tommy, and it's funny because exactly the same thing happened to me. But a friend of mine that you know her very well um, in business, and uh, she rang me up, and she was devastated because she's, you know, a very proud businesswoman, and you know, she's felt the things that he had said leading up to the election, as well as a number of his other widely held views 
were, were pretty horrific. Uh, um, and she was quite, quite distraught and she rang me and she said, what are we going to do about this? I said, you know, we just got to focus now because it is what it is. We can't change the result. We have to now just focus on what we do best because guess what? Donald Trump being in or out is not going to stop your ability to do what you do to the best of your ability, nor mine. I can still build the world best real estate company with Donald Trump in yeah. or with Hillary Clinton in. I would have rather Hillary Clinton in because I believe what she stands for is more aligned to my values and Trump's isn't, but you've got to draw that line in the sand because otherwise it's too easy to, you know, the conversation goes on and then there's negativity and you worry about, you know, what's this going to do to the stock market and interest rates and is there going to be World War Three? who knows? you just got to move on. Um, and so now, like in a bizarre sense, I'm absolutely hopeful he's going to be a resounding success and I'm going to have egg on my face in two years' time and that he turns around the debt and that he gets all Americans aligned and that he builds great relationships with other countries. Do I think that's going to happen? God, I've, I wouldn't have thought so. But do I hope it happens? Absolutely. Because you've now got to support the guy because it's in all our best interests that he actually is a resounding success. So you've got to maybe change from being someone that was hoping like hell that he wouldn't get into someone now that hopes like hell that he is successful in what he does because that's in our interest he, as well. And he is, he is the first Eric Speaker to be the President of the United States. <laughs> that's correct. <laughs> so true. Followed by Rudy Giuliani who they're saying is going to be the Secretary of Defence. Yeah. So we've had a couple of luminaries what here. What, extra, yeah. what an extraordinary foresight the Eric business has got. <laughs> there's hope. There's hope, Tommy. There's hope for us. There's hope, absolutely. <laughs> All righty, guys. Very good, good to see you again. We will talk next week. Thanks, guys. See you, guys. Bye.